college can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash Farm Energy Assessment. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. What did we just witness from your Denver Broncos at Lucas Oil Stadium? It's unbelievable. We are going to react and break it all down. It is yet another Live simulcast episode of the Huddle Up podcast. Welcome in. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. And with me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him. You love him as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, your gut reaction off the top. What you got, bro? If the offense was semi-competent, Chad, this game would have been a blowout. If Joe Flacco was a better quarterback, if the offensive line was better, this game shouldn't have been close. And the fact that they let it come down to the wire like that and the defense, I can't fault them too much. They played a hell of a game today. Vic Fangio had a great game plan for a tough Colts offense. Unfortunately, they let it get away from them toward the end. But we talked about one um, criticism I have at the end of the game is why, maybe people will agree with me, why did not Fangio take a timeout when the Colts had the ball before the field goal can serve some time left on the clock to get the ball back? I mean, coaching and quarterbacking, the same two bugaboos for the Denver Broncos. Which is surprising because Fangio's game plan defensively was money. Great. Man. They, yeah, it was. Broncos throttled the Colts throughout the entire game, and even though you know it took Adam Vinatieri having a bad day, for Denver to maintain a lead throughout the game. Still, that defense played well. And then, again, I go back to the the old uh, talking point that we've had to basically examine week in and week out, which is that this is a team that has completely forgotten how to win. In the clutch moments, yeah. this is the third loss where in the clutch moments, they find a way, the Broncos, and it's usually the defense, unfortunately, not to, not to take any pressure or onus off the offense, but in those clutch moments, you think, all right, the Broncos just need to stop. They need one stop here. And it's not just they allow it to happen. It's lapses, mental lapses. Von Miller can't sack Jacoby Brissett in the end zone. He's got him completely in his grasp, shucks him off, completes downfield after Chris Harris completely took T.Y. Hilton out. And then it creates an extra route, basically. You can't cover a guy completely for two routes, complete the ball. Okay, well, you know, two more completions and they're in field goal range. There's still a chance for the Broncos. And then another lapse, Alexander Johnson with the horse collar, losing some discipline. Yet again, the Broncos unravel at the worst, most inopportune moment. It's a team that's completely forgotten how to win. And again, we have to come back to the quarterback situation. You hit the nail on the head here, Zach, which is if this was a competent offense, the Broncos defense, that was a good enough performance, even notwithstanding that final possession and the lapses. That should have been a win, dude, especially on the road. Yeah. 
And like you said, the little things, the little, the death by inches, they're really dying by inches. It's not sacking Brissett. It's it's not winning a game that the referees blatantly wanted the Broncos to win. I mean, they have no excuse to lose this game. The Indianapolis offense had a bad day. The Broncos defense had a great game plan. But the play calling on offense, Chad, to run it three straight times from first and goal at the three-yard line, two defensive bailouts, you come away with three points in this game, that is not how you win in the NFL uh, there's no denying it anymore. There's no sugarcoating it. Even the, the biggest Flacco apologist on the planet, which is his mom, would have to look at him in the eyes and say he's just not a good quarterback. It's time for him to sit down. He's He can't run. He has no pocket awareness. He's off target. He just does nothing to inspire any sort of positive momentum. And again, another game where if they had just an average quarterback, not a pro bowler, not an all pro, an average quarterback, they would have won and pulled off an upset. But alas, we're stuck with Joe Cool. The Flacco apologist will no doubt point to his 20 for 32 passing stat, 174 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, 76 rating. This is the epitome of impotent quarterback play. And, you know, you combine that, Zach, with a first-time offensive coordinator. Again, I maintain that this was a this is an offense that in in design, okay, and from an inspiration perspective, it, it's built to have a dynamic thrower of the football, an athletic, dynamic quarterback, a la Drew Luck, not a old pocket statue. It's kind of, I mean, the, the story with Joe Flacco, it's the same thing, week in and week out. He's not going to make throws that are completely irresponsible or that, you know, risk the the offense, you know, losing the ball. But it's it's the fact that on the po- the the plus side, the positive side, he's not doing anything to help move the needle for the offense. And we'll get into the implications where this team goes from here. Really quick, though, Zach, before we get too much farther in, let me just remind all our great listeners and viewers here with us live on YouTube and Facebook. Make sure you go follow the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod, and the reason for that is. It's the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And if you want to enter yourself into our drawing, our giveaway this month, go to Apple Podcasts and leave a creative review. If you like what Zach and I are doing, give us a five-star rating, and that will enter you into the drawing. We're going to give away some Mile High Huddle swag, some Huddle Up Podcast swag. We'll announce the winner for the month of October next week. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. 
Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, let's dial this back for a second. And first thing I want, I mean, soul crushing. Juwan James finally starts after six plus games he misses. He get They get him back. The offense, at least the offensive line, playing significantly better with him in there, even from a pass protection perspective, way better. And he lasts about 20 snaps. Well, yeah, about 20 snaps, I think, in. Then he goes down, another knee injury. It looks like it's that same left knee. $51 million. He's played a grand total of about 30 snaps on the season. I, that's what you get when you sign parentally injured players, and Elway has a tendency to do that, and those injured players get injured. Look at Hireman today. I mean, they, they just it's the proclivity to, to happen to them, and that's what happens when you spend a record-setting contract on a guy that it seemed like the Dolphins was willing to let get away. And there was that report, Chad, that the, the Dolphins felt like the Broncos got a whoopee cushion. They were, quote-unquote, laughing at the Broncos for signing right. James. And we're seeing why now. The guy is good when he's on the field, but he's rarely on the field, and you can't make the club in the tub and you can't help the club on the trainer's table. It's unfortunate. He's a good tackle, but it seems like the Broncos got a lemon and that's a lot of money to spend on a lemon. And he's done. I mean, basically what his first half season in Denver has done is nothing to repudiate the reputation he built mm-hmm. up in Miami as being a, uh, an injury milker. All right. He, if he gets hurt, not necessarily injury prone, but when he got, does get hurt, because all NFL players get hurt, they get banged up in season. But he's a guy where the, the uh, and I'm not necessarily calling his injury small, but where the smallest thing turns into a multi week proposition. And I mean, but basically, his season's probably, for, the, for all intents and purposes, at least in terms of making an impact on the 2019 Broncos in a way that can shape the ultimate destiny of the team. It's over for him. I mean, that this game was the ultimate and final death knell for the Broncos in terms of any kind of postseason aspirations. The CBS broadcast, Zach, did a good job of, you know, trying to instill some hope in the fan base, trying to remind everybody of the two and five start back in, in 2011, in which Kyle Orton was eventually deposed and supplanted by Tim Tebow and a, and a you know, miraculous season unfolded. That any hopes that the fans might have had, that's gone by the wayside. And now, Zach, it's all about. How soon can they get Drew Locke on the field? And in a way, it's a good thing the Broncos lost this game then. If this is a thing that turns the Broncos' page toward 2020, if this is a thing that maybe forces them into a rebuilding mindset that looks Elway can look himself in the mirror and say what he is and what the Broncos are, then it's a blessing in disguise. They, they had no business even being mentioned in the playoff race. They weren't going to make it, and they were just deluding themselves and wasting time. If this is the game that gets Flacco benched, it's a major blessing in disguise. So, you know, it's not about the playoffs. It's like I said, the last three, four podcasts, it's not about 2019 anymore. It's about the future. And that's why they have to see what they have in Drew Locke and all these other players because it's about the future. Indeed. And the comment just shot by or else I put it on the screen. But a commenter, we'll circle back to Drew Locke, but a commenter brought up a good point. We 
we've given some credit to Fangio. We've given some credit to Scangarello for their efforts today at Lucas Oil Stadium. But that third and five, the Broncos' final possession in which they ended up having to punt it back, and that's when the Colts drove down and got the field goal. On third and five, the Broncos give up. It's you know thrown in the towel, a dive up the middle, not with Royce Freeman, with Phillip Lindsay, picks up like a yard, punt. That give up play. This isn't a team that's trying to, you know, oh my gosh, here we are on the brink. No one gave us a chance to win this game. We're winning by a point right now. We have a chance to, if we convert it, if we move the chains here, we have a chance to literally ice this thing and come away with a win. But let's play it safe. Let's just, you know, run it up the gut. If we got to punt, we'll punt and give it to our defense, who in every other situation so far this season has come up short in these clutch moments. You know, the com- the the broadcast, you know, Fangio trusts his defense and they're going to give him a sh- – I don't think Fangio should trust his defense anymore. When you have these opportunities, Zach, you have to try and make the most of them, not give up on third and five when you have a chance to ice the game. I mean, that's playing not to lose, and that's the offensive version of prevent defense. And when you play not to lose, you usually lose. And that's having a bad quarterback, and that's having a bad offensive line, and no confidence in having a successful passing play in that situation. And also a young rookie coordinator in Scangarello, who I already touched on when his his goal-to-goal play calling was bad today. It's just not having that confidence in himself, not having that confidence in his quarterback or his whole offense, is just live to fight another series and give the ball back. I don't like that. It's cowardly to me. I want some aggression. I want to show some some fight. I want to go out and try to win the game. Don't settle for the defense. Don't put it on them. Let, let's take control of the game now and put this one away and close it off. And they just don't have that fight. And to your point, they just don't know how to win and close out games in that fashion. I don't know this for a fact. I mean, the game just got over. But my bet is that Fangio told him to play it safe on third down. That's not to make excuses for Scangarello. But usually in those key situations, that's what happens in most NFL cities is the head coach is going to get a call down from the OC. How do you want me to play this crucial situation? Yeah, let's just play it safe. Let's batten it down. Or do you want me to go for it? Do you want me to push the envelope? I don't know this for a fact. Okay. I'm just speculating. My bet is that that was what Fangio wanted and it cost him the game. Not to say that any other play would have saved the day, but at least try to pick up the first down, at least try to move the chains. Peyton Manning would never have rested on his laurels, hoping that the defense can bail him out and save this this game as a victory. Um, and by the way, Stephen, thanks. You have been a massive supporter on Super yes. Chat of the Huddle Up podcast. Big thanks to you, my brother. Thank and you, by the way, just a quick reminder to everybody, Super Chat, if you're on YouTube, you can donate to the podcast like Stephen has here. We've got some things that we're cooking up um, for our awesome Super Chat donations that we'll be announcing here very, very soon. So thank you very much, Stephen, as always. Let's talk about this, Zach, from Adam. What do you think needs to happen for Elway or the coaches to finally bench Joe Flacco? What, what's the what's going to be the straw that breaks this camel's back? I would think injury to Flacco, and I'm not hoping for an injury, but I thought he was banged up a couple times here, and this would have been the thing to take into the Week 10 bye, and this would be the thing to transition to Drew Locke. I can't even say that a horrible game would force the Broncos to make that switch. It's obvious they don't believe in Drew Locke now. It's obvious they still believe in Joe Flacco. So even if Flacco threw five interceptions in a game, I don't think it'd be enough. The only way now I see of Locke getting on the field anytime in the short term is an injury to Flacco. Jacob says Drew Locke should start and will be beyond able to uh, by December 1st with the Chargers coming to Denver. So we kind of learned toward the end of last week – a lot of mixed signals coming from the Broncos in the 
previous 10 days that Locke was going to start practicing and then he doesn't practice. And then we find out no one on IR is practicing when they could be practicing. And then we find out through a report from Mike Kliss that it sounds like the Broncos were planning on waiting till well after the bye to before they even choose to practice Drew Locke. Does this change that equation, do you think? Now, I know what you think it should do, and I think it should have long ago been – they should have been trying to get a healthy Drew Locke. He is 100% healthy now, folks, on the field as soon as possible. But in your mind, knowing what we know about Elway, knowing what we know about Fangio – do you think this was a straw that could move the needle in terms of, all right, let's face facts. This season is lost season. We need to try and focus on what it's going to take to get lock on the field, protect him, but we got to start the clock. I, I just don't see if, if that Kansas City didn't do anything, if they came out after that Kansas City loss and, and expressed more confidence in Flacco or less confidence in Locke, I mean, why would this be the game that would that would lead to Flacco's benching. To me, it's just going to seem like it's going to take an injury to Joe Flacco. And even December 1st, even in that Chargers game, that's not enough time to get an audition tape for Drew Locke going. If we see him for one or two games, you still don't know what you have in the guy yet. So all they're going to do is waste time and drag this out more. It's either you play Locke now or in the very short, you know, short-term future, or you don't play him at all. They really have two options. They can't fence it with Drew Locke in the situation. John is still apologizing in a sense, no offense, John, for Flacco. He says, still not going to blame Flacco completely. Uh, Y'all tripping. How about at the 50, can't advance because of penalties and poor offensive line play? Would like to see what you two would do back there. How about Vaughn's missed tackle? 0-4 start, uh, 0-4 first quarter, 2-2 second quarter. At least we're improving. Oh, we did miss Sanders today too, wide receiver offensive penalties. Um, well, I would get killed back there. I mean, I'm, I'm – almost 40 years old, probably about 25 pounds overweight. I'm not saying I could do a better job than Joe Flacco. That's not that's not my job. But I think the Broncos have someone, Zach, on this roster chilling on IR that could do better. And, in fact, I think even today they had a quarterback sitting on the bench that could have done better for this <laughs> team by the name of Brandon Allen. Joe Flacco is a complete waste and bust. The Broncos are spinning their wheels in, and mired in this delusion that Flacco is 34 years old and still in his prime. Elway tried to recapitulate, recapture the magic he created with Peyton Manning, with Case Keenum, didn't work. Tried to keep that fire burning with Joe Flacco. It didn't work. All right, look, it was a model that you that worked for you once. We can understand you tried to, to do it again. But now it's time to face facts, turn over the coin, turn over the leaf, and try a different tact. I don't get the ad hominem here. I mean, I'm not getting paid $19 million, 18.5 to play quarterback <laughs> in the NFL. If I was, at least I can throw for a touchdown. Maybe I can maybe run around more. It's just, it doesn't really, it's apples and bowling balls here. In terms of Sanders, the Broncos traded the guy away. It's not like they cut him. He wanted his release. They His, his departure, they knew what they were getting there. Penalties, th these refs were in the Broncos' pocket most of the afternoon. There's no more excuses for Flacco. You can talk about the Broncos making improvement. Hell, they were blown out last week and they lost a the game they should have won today if they had an offense they're not showing any sort of signs of offensive progress at all they're going backward i i just can't stand the apologists anymore and not calling a spade a spade with flacco he's not a good quarterback no and the problem is when you have a less than perfect roster you have holes and issues on your offensive line you have a young receiving core it's going to if, if you don't have a a good quarterback that can help elevate those guys all of those situations are only going to be exacerbated. Flacco is not the little boy with his finger in the dike keeping this from being a train wreck. He is 
the hole in the dike. He's the problem, mm-hmm. you guys. Yeah. You put a dynamic quarterback like even Drew Locke, who is the epitome of inexperience. He's yet to play a single snap in a regular season NFL game. He's a rookie second-round pick. You put him back there. He's going to bump his head, all right? He's going to make mistakes. He's going to learn as he goes. There's going to be a trial and error process, but he's immediately going to give this team something that Joe Flacco can't, and that is athletic ability to make a play. Joe Flacco is just conservative, and I don't even want to keep talking about Flacco, but look, Jacob makes a point here that I think is something that fans, it's on the minds of fans right now. He says, I hate this as much as any Broncos fan, but putting Locke in at Minnesota or Buffalo would get him killed. And the point being that, you know, coming out of the bye, the Broncos schedule the whole rest of the year doesn't get any easier. I mean, we are now staring down the barrel very realistically at a three to four win season if they're lucky. And that's even that's if they don't make any changes. And Joe Flacco, your 12th year veteran, former Super Bowl MVP quarterback, stays the quarterback. Now, going into these two games, which is kind of what you circle coming out of the bye for possibility for Locke, it's a fair point that Minnesota's defense, Buffalo's defense, you want to talk about a trial by fire, that's probably the biggest thing right now, Zach, that's holding back John Elway from just biting the bullet is fear of loss. But I think, Jacob, I honestly think at this point they just have to rip that Band-Aid off. They have to be motivated by hope for gain and look at this instead of fear of loss and look at this through the prism of if it's sink or swim for Drew Locke, this is how he's going to learn. If he can't rise to the occasion, this is the NFL, dude. This is how it works in the NFL. If you can't come in and hold your own against a stingy or, st- or, or stiff opponent, you don't belong in the league, Zach. We talked about this in the last pod chat. There's never going to be a perfect scenario to play Drew Locke. They're not going to wait until the offensive line is rebuilt and they have this whole litany of pass catchers for him. They have to throw him in now. He, like Chad said, he's going to take his lumps. They're inevitable. It's just going to happen with any rookie quarterback. Look at Minshew. Look at Daniel Jones. They have some successful plays on tape, though. Those teams, as inept as they are, even Haskins and Washington with Keenan being concussed now, they're knowing what they have in their young quarterbacks. They're playing young defenses, but what a cowardly mentality. Oh, we're not going to play the guy we traded up for because we're scared that he's not going to do well. We're scared that our our men can't match up with their men. What kind of mentality is that in the NFL to play? You have a young kid here. He's going to come in and be at least more mobile than Joe Flacco, have just as good as an arm, and at least give some energy, some passion, some fight to this offense. There is literally no downside. If he gets sacked, he gets sacked. If he throws a pick, he throws a pick. But at least you would know. And let me tell you something right now. If he's anywhere near a franchise-type quarterback, he will overcome those mismatches. He will overcome facing a bad defense. He will lift the play of everyone around him, unlike what we've seen in Joe Flacco. If Drew Locke is that guy, he can do that, but we have to know if he's capable of doing that. It's very very simple. Besides, what are you going to do? And look at it like this, Jacob, and anyone else who's, you know, thinking down this road. What are you going to do? You're going to wait till the Broncos eventually draw the Miami Dolphins on the schedule to play Drew Locke? That's what I'm saying. Just, like you, it's the NFL, man. Every opponent's going to be tough. Every opponent's going to represent and present uh, different obstacles and threats and problems. And you know, you just got to roll with the punches. This is the NFL. Now let's let's change the channel here and talk about what JTG is saying here. Y'all stop blaming Vaughn. He misses one tackle. Yes, could have ended the game, but Jacoby is huge and hard to tackle. Look, Vaughn played okay today in Lucas Oil Stadium. He was a beast against the run. He got a half sack that was credited the other half to Josie Jewell. But that's a play. You don't have an excuse to miss that play, dude. That's where the players, like Elway talks about, great players need to play great. 
And I always add on to that. And they need to come up big in big situations. And that was a big situation. Vaughn allowed Jacoby Brissett to out-hustle him there. He wanted it more than Vaughn did, made the completion that basically gave the Colts all the momentum they needed to close this thing down. I'm not going to kill Vaughn too much. I mean, Brissett gets paid too. He made a nice play there in the end zone. You got to give credit to him. Vaughn should have made that. He's getting paid the big bucks to make that. But both things can be true. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm not, uh, you know, crucifying him for missing that tackle. He should have made it and they didn't make it. But that one play either shouldn't have been the make or break for this Broncos team. They still had many other opportunities on defense after that to close the game. They just couldn't do it. King Stacy says, "Trade Von Miller, please. He cost the game. He shouldn't have got. He should have got the sack and made a safety." I'm not saying that. I'm not saying trade Von Miller by any stretch. And Von wants to stay here. The only thing, and I've maintained this throughout the entire season, the only way Von Miller ever becomes a part of the trade conversation if he is if he tries to force his way out of town. And he made that clear last week in the wake of the Emmanuel Sanders trade. He's going down with the ship. He's not happy with the way things are. He's he's. He thinks it sucks. The Broncos are living in a world of suck. He's not happy with that, but he wants players here who want to be Broncos. That means he's going to stay a Bronco. He doesn't want to leave. He's going to weather this storm and and stick around long enough to figure it out. Uh, but the the team needs him, you know. And maybe once, and this is where it comes back to Zach. We hear the coaches talk about, you know, you don't make a change just for the sake of change. Sometimes you do have to make a change just for the sake of change because what you're doing is you're looking for a spark any kind of hope or spark that can turn the ship around. And there's no guarantee that Drew Locke presents that spark. But I think it has a much better odds of working, especially eight games now into the season, you're two and six. This is a this is a, a model that is just simply not working. Now, Adam says, do you think Elway has PTSD from the Paxton Lynch era and is scared to ruin Locke's confidence? Once a QB loses their confidence, it's very difficult to be successful. I want to see him play. I think he's very much... Uh, governed from a decision-making perspective, from the traumatic effects of the Paxton Lynch bust. Yes, he's, I think, it, but but Zach, the bottom line is, I think he's being too sensitive to the possibility that Locke's confidence might be affected if they just throw him in. Look, no one's advocating for Locke to play today. He needs to get a couple of weeks of practice under his belt. He's been inactive basically for, you know, three three months Get him those two weeks, Zach. Get him ready. Invest all of your offensive coaching into that process of getting him ready and then let the chips fall. It's funny because I remember, I believe it was last year in 2018 before the draft. I remember writing something that, some rumor that came out that said Elway was was a trigger, uh, you know, trigger shy now about pulling a, getting a quarterback in the draft because of Paxton Lynch. So there might be some truth to that, but he can't lean on that either. They're not the same player. It's not the same situation, not the same prospect. You can't hide behind one failure and then not play a guy because you're worried about failure. You're doing more damage by not playing Drew Locke than by playing him. So I, he can't hide behind the Pax Lynch excuse. Yeah, he was a bust, but Lynch and Locke are two different players completely. And I think if he puts Locke in, it's not going to have any of the same problems like, like he had with Lynch. Stray says, Flacco just got done criticizing the play calling, saying they're afraid to be aggressive. He didn't like the third and five call not going or not going forward on fourth down. He said the team is scared of losing. And that's true. And you know what's another indictment on Flacco? He's a 12th-year veteran. How come he is not allowed to change the play at the line of scrimmage? Mm. Why? Right. With, with a rookie coordinator, too. What the heck, dude? I mean, is he a 12th-year vet or isn't he? Is he a Super Bowl champion or isn't he? 
The, is, is he a leader or, or isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> is he alive? Does he have a pulse? Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's an indictment when your rookie first year offensive play caller doesn't even trust your 12th year prime <laughs> franchise quarterback to change the play at the line of scrimmage. Now, if I'm Joe Flacco, I can throw my OC under the bus after the game. Look how look what that did for Emmanuel Sanders, right. fortunes, by the way. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, I could have said, look, guys, I just got a really crappy call in my ear. They want us to give up and just dive on third and five. They're going to stack the box. They just want us to run the ball, and we're going to punt it away. To hell with that. Let's run X, Y, Ziggle, C, right, blah, blah, blah. Let's try and pick this first down up. But Flacco didn't do it. So at the end of the day, he can criticize the play calling, but the ball's in his hands. He's the man with the ball. Do something about it. I don't even think he has the interest in changing the play. He strikes me as a guy who whatever play he gets, okay, we're going to do it. He, he's the definition to me of going through the motions, and that's the perfect example of that, is not taking any sort of command of the huddle, not being any sort of a leader for this team, and that's why he's just as big of a problem as anything else, as the play calling, as the coaching. Joe Flacco is bringing this team down. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Christy says, Elway does not want to create another Lynch situation. Not saying Locke is a Lynch, but Elway has that hovering in his mind. And I could not agree more. That's, let's face it, like if the Paxton Lynch bust had never happened, let's say that pick had never been made, and let's say – Brock Osweiler didn't defect to Houston and he stayed home in Denver and re-signed and that whole thing just didn't work out. And they end up uh, drafting Drew Locke in the second round again this year, just like they did. I don't think uh, Elway would be nearly as sensitive and trigger shy to use that awesome word that you said, Zach, with regard to Locke. It's very much 
the after effects PTSD of the Paxton Lynch bust. You know what, though? If he has PTSD three years after drafting a bust, he needs to not be in this position then. I mean, he has to take aggressive chances. I mean, look at Howie Roseman. He has Carson Wentz, but put Nick Foles behind him. You always have to do what's in the best interest of the roster. So being shy and being tentative because you failed three years ago, and that's why you're not going to play a prospect now who is the complete opposite of that guy, uh, it, it's just it, it all comes back to Elway. The fingers all point to him, and they all the roads all lead back to his decisions. And Jacob, you know, he says, look, I think there isn't ever a good time to put Locke in. There's never going to be that perfect time. He would be better than what we have right now, though. That being said, I think this kid has it together. He's not Paxton Lynch. And that's something I've been trying to say is like, look, Paxton Lynch was that rare. It's not very often that a quarterback, especially one drafted in the first round, uh, is a beta personality. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to insult anybody. But quarterbacks are supposed to be alphas. Quarterbacks typically traditionally and across the board, I mean, it's the exceptions out there prove the rule, and that's Paxton Lynch. But they are alphas. They want to play. They're leaders. They're fighting for playing time. All those things. Paxton Lynch wasn't that guy, all right? That just wasn't who he was. And the Broncos paid the price for having not ever met with him pre-draft, and they had to learn that the hard way. Drew Locke, on the other hand, I've been I've I've talked to Drew Locke. The dude exudes charisma. The dude is smart. He's sharp. He's a leader. He's a competitor. And I think that's a good point here, Jacob. And Zach, this he's not Paxton Lynch. So let's let's take that out of the equation. Forget Paxton Lynch. Drew Locke is not Paxton Lynch. Get him out there. But how unfair is it for Drew Locke? A guy three years ago is being held against him. He's the reason, yeah, Paxton Lynch is the reason why Drew Locke isn't playing right now, if that's the case. They're two different players. And like you said, Drew Locke has that it factor. He has that same spark that Chad Kelly instantly gave the Broncos offense when he entered the game last year. He is that hope on the bench right now. He is the potential face of the franchise. Play that man. Paul with a $50 donation on Super Appreciate Chat. you, Paul. Thank love you. you, Paul. Thanks, brother. Uh, let's see here. Stu says, I wish you guys coached the Broncos. I know you guys would do great. I don't know about that, brother. Can't do worse, I don't think. I don't, yeah, we probably couldn't do worse. Who knows? I mean, with the amount of talent this team has on both sides of the ball, maybe we couldn't do much worse than it is right now. Uh, here's what Cody says. I just was asking why we aren't making more of the Scangarello situation. Then Flacco at the podium says, I just feel like we do – what we have to, to lose. Why can't we be aggressive in some of these situations? And, you know, again, I understand that if he's not allowed to make the change at the line and he's got to accept the call that comes in from his coach and all that, it's one thing to take exception to the play calling, but Zach, the Broncos do not like when you speak negatively about or question the coaches in the public arena. Emmanuel Sanders knew that he waited after he'd asked for a trade After last week's loss against the Chiefs, he finally said, screw it, criticize the play calling publicly. He was out the door. If Joe Flacco wants to lose his job, that's a good way to do it. Criticize Rich Scangarello. They they shouldn't stand for it either. This is not a guy coming in and throwing three, four touchdowns a game, putting up 300 yards. I mean, 100 and something yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He's not lighting the world on fire. And to not even take some sort of accountability to pass the buck off to your first-time offensive coordinator who's also in over his head, I don't like that from Joe Flacco. To me, the guy is regressing now as a person, not just as a player, to come on the podium and say something like that. Um, that's not going to fly, I don't think, very well in Elway's office. And for all of us hoping for Drew Locke, that might be the, the final uh, straw that broke the camel's back. We can only hope. 
Stu coming in with a three ninety nine donation on Super Chat. Thank, Thank you, Stu. Stu. But then he says, if Locke was drafted 10th overall, where the Broncos originally sat before they traded back and then took Noah Fant, he'd be playing already. Do you subscribe to that? Do you think if he was the Broncos' 10th overall pick, he'd be out there? Uh, there'd be more pressure to get him out there, but the injury, I think they can hide behind that, not playing there. Now, I, I think even the injury would make that more uh, crucial, more paramount. Oh, we don't want to play our 10th overall pick. We don't want to play our first-round pick because he was injured. We want to wait till he's perfectly healthy. So I think that would work against them in both ways, but um, for sure there'd be more pressure on Elway to play the first-round pick as opposed to the second-round pick. Billy says, anyone remember Lamar Jackson getting put in as a starter over Flacco in Baltimore? Jackson had ups and downs and was a huge learning curve for him and allowed him to be even better this year. The same situation possibly for Locke. And that's that's a point we've been trying to make. Very well said there, Billy. The Broncos don't know what can happen with Locke. And that's scary, you know, because you worry about him becoming this massive bust. But at the same time, the Ravens bit the bullet. You know, they did what they had to do because Flacco, A, was injured, and B, by the time he was healthy a week later, Jackson had done enough in that one relief performance of Joe Flacco for the team to go, let's just see how this goes. And they've never looked back. And the Baltimore Ravens are now significantly farther on down the road as an organization than the Broncos are right now. You have to take that chance. You, You know, nothing risked, nothing gained. And at this point, you drafted him. You were almost willing to take him with the 10th pick overall. He was almost that pick anyway. You drafted him, though, Zach. Get him out on the field. What does it say, though, that the the Ravens went with a quarterback last year in Jackson who literally couldn't throw the ball? They were that over Flacco's lack of mobility, that lack of playmaking ability. They went with a quarterback who's strictly a runner. And now Jackson has progressed in his second season, but the Ravens took that chance, like you said, Chad. They bit the bullet. It it wasn't a popular move. That was their Super Bowl-winning quarterback, but they had the young blood on the bench, and they knew when it was time to go to that young blood. I just wish the Broncos would take the same cues from the Ravens. Chris coming in with a $21 donation. On Thank Super you, Chris. Yeah. Appreciate you. He says, definitely sad to see the same story played out in the last two minutes of the game yet again this year. Three times is frustrating. What's next, guys? And thank you for the sanity check. What's next? Well, next up are the Cleveland Browns in Denver next week, and that's going to be another one of these toss-up games in terms of the odds. The Broncos at home are probably going to be slightly favored depending on what happens today in the Browns-Patriots game, but Odds are the Broncos are going to lose that game and they're going to go into the bye at two and seven. And I think honestly, after this game, I think the wheels are, are of change are going to be in motion and we might not see the fruits of that change until after the bye. But Elway at this stage really has to face facts. And now you got Flacco criticizing the offensive coordinator in, in the media. I mean, it's it's, it's getting ugly. Yeah, I'm with you. I think this game, it might not cause Flacco's benching, but I think behind the scenes, this is the game that Elway puts those plans into motion. So again, that's a best case scenario. That's a blessing in disguise. We can, I hate to say it, but if you want the Broncos to make that switch, you got to hope they lose more games. You got to hope they lose to the Browns and go into their bye. Perfect time to make that switch. And we'll see Drew Locke from the rest of the season out. Christy coming in with another donation. She's Thank been candidly keeping the Huddle Up podcast afloat. Appreciate you, Christy. Keep up the good work. We're trying, man. That's the thing is in the in the face of this horrible season, we can't just you know pull up stakes and, and call it a day. And we we got to keep bringing you guys the analysis and breaking this thing down. And Zach and I are going to continue to do so, but we have to bid you adieu for today. We're running out of time. Got a lot cooking today. A lot of uh, post game content needs to go up. Uh, at milehighhuddle.com. Zach's got work to do. So 
Zach, um, we'll we'll you know circle back Monday night, yeah. and maybe we can make Monday night if you guys want to circle this on your calendar, six p.m. Mountain, eight p.m. Eastern. We will see about doing another simulcast Monday night on YouTube and Facebook. So look forward to that. And Zach, I don't know, man. I, I hope this was enough for the way it's kind of even getting uglier after that, you know, the unraveling. Hopefully this is enough to get the wheels of change in motion. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the Broncos winning any more ball games from here on out, all it's going to do is give them false hope, keep Flacco in, and uh, ruin their draft pick. So in the long-term ramifications, losing, it was tough to watch today. But if it can get Drew Locke on the field, if it can help the Broncos better for the future, it's a blessing in my opinion. Enoch, we got to get this one for Enoch. $10 donation on Thank Super you. Chat. Appreciate you. If a rebuild begins, does Elway deserve to be the one to rebuild the team? Um, Fair question. Deserve? deserve I don't know. That's a tough one because he did bring this team a world championship as a GM. But how much time, how much window does that give him? How much rope does that give him? Because it's not like these last three and a half years have just kind of not been, you know, been disappointing. They've come close. I mean, not it's 2016. If each successive year was like 2016, nine and seven, you're just barely missing the playoffs. You're this close. You know, a couple of flips of the coin here and there, and you'd have been in the playoffs. It'd be one thing. But, Zach, the depths to which this team has sunk, especially over the last three football seasons, 2017, mm-hmm. 2018, and now 2019, it's hard to argue that he does deserve to rebuild this team. To me, it depends on his contract. I mean, if he had a longer-term contract in place, if he had more years in front of him, I can see him getting a full-scale rebuild, a uh, new quarterback. He has a new head coach. He was going to chalk that up to a honeymoon uh, you know, year anyway. But to me, the way I see it is this. He'll get next season at a minimum, but if they go 4-12, and 5-11, and 11, they have a new quarterback, Fangio's not a rookie coach, they don't have a rookie coaching staff, I could see actually him getting fired after next season. But anything but before that, him stepping away, uh, he's going to get at least, at the minimum, one more year. And I wouldn't be surprised, as you said, Chad, if he gets the next two, three, four, even if he gets a new contract. He just has that much clout uh, in Denver stemming from his playing career and from that championship that he brought. Here's the the message we want to leave with you as we sign off from Christian here. Make the QB change. It has to happen. And it can't happen overnight because you need to get Drew Locke some actual practice reps. But get those wheels in motion. Get him out on the field as soon as is humanly possible. But, you guys, that's got to do it for today. Thank you for joining us live, all our simulcast viewers currently on Facebook and YouTube, all of our awesome donations on Super Chat. You guys have no idea how much we appreciate that. It goes a long, long way. Uh, And then circle back. We'll be here live again tomorrow night, uh, Monday night at 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. And uh, that'll do it for today. Keep your chin up, Broncos country. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. 
they want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.